0: Have you ever been talking with someone that you have never met, and yet as the conversation goes along, you really feel like, wow, it just feels like I've known you before. How do we know each other? Well, that's what happened to Lizzie Valverde up in New York. She was taking a writing class at Columbia University. And on the first day of class, a lot of times what professors will do is kind of go around the room, if it's a small class, and let the students introduce themselves say a few things about themselves, tell a little bit bit about their background. And so they were doing that that day, and she told her uh, story, and some of the other students began to tell their story. And then one other student, a lady by the name of Katie Olson, uh, began to share her story, and and Lizzie started thinking, you know, there's a lot of this that sounds really familiar. And so after class, she, she went over and they introduced themselves to each other, and they got to talking and discovered they were sisters. They born in Florida, had been adopted. One had grew up in New Jersey. The other had grown up in Iowa. And now as adults, they found themselves in the same classroom at Columbia University. Their conversation had a lot of those, you know, so you were born in Florida? Me too. So, so you're getting a writing degree? Me too. So you like barbecued wings? Me too. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff of them recognizing there was this close connection together. As Paul wrote the Galatians, he was not related to them by blood, not even close. Most of the Galatian believers were from a non-Jewish, Gentile background. Paul was from a very decidedly Jewish background. And yet... They were related in a far more significant way. And if you know Christ this morning, you are too. Listen to what Paul writes here in Galatians chapter 2. We'll actually begin reading in verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. We are justified by faith. All of us. Me too. We can only be justified by faith. One of the primary reasons that Paul is writing his letter to the believers in Galatia was to confront a false teaching that had begun to bubble up in that area and other areas of the New Testament day that made the argument that in order to get to heaven, in order to be saved, in order to have everlasting life, you not only had to receive Christ as your Savior, but you also had to follow a series of laws and rules and regulations. Now, after some introductory words, we looked at some of those last week, Paul, in this passage, begins to express his dismay that some of the Galatians had so quickly bought in to this false teaching. This gospel that wasn't really gospel at all. He spends some time defending his own ministry in the verses just previous to this. There were those who had charged that he was not truly an apostle. And we looked last week at how he defended that indeed he had been called out, not by men, not by any group, but by Christ himself. He makes a a convincing argument that his calling is from God. And in the midst of that defense, Paul describes how he had to oppose some of the leaders of his time, even Peter. Peter. And others who had begun to put roadblocks in the way of Gentiles who wanted to become believers in Christ. And in the midst of that discussion, that's where Paul makes this statement we just read there in verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile Christians know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Paul refers to himself As one of those who was a Jew by birth. Now, if anybody could make that claim, it was Paul. He had an impeccable pedigree, he was raised in a Jewish home. He had a career as a Pharisee. Now, we have kind of a negative connotation of Pharisees today, and and they earned that pretty well in some of the ways they treated Jesus and and the believers. But back in the New Testament day, the Pharisee was not seen as negative at all. It was seen as the pinnacle of Jewish faith, as, as the best that you could possibly be. And Paul wasn't just a Pharisee. He was a leader of the Pharisees. If anyone could have saved themselves, it would be Paul. But he could not. It is a theme that runs throughout Paul's writings because it was a foundational understanding that led him to faith in Christ. He could not save himself. Of his efforts as a Pharisee were no better than any common Gentile sinner. Now that probably was a phrase that he had used as a Pharisee several times, as as he looked down on those who were not of the Jewish nation, as he declared them to be. Uh, Outside of the faith, he probably had used that phrase, as had many others, those Gentile sinners. But Paul looked back on his own life and all the things that he had done and thought he had accomplished as a Pharisee. And he realized that he was no better than they were. He was no closer to God than Caesar this man, who spent much of his adult life trying to prove his worth before God, was no more close to salvation than any other man on the street. Paul came to understand that we are justified not by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Everyone. Jew and Gentile alike, we all enter salvation in Jesus. I don't know why they, they build them this way. It's the only place I've ever seen these particular types of doors. They probably have them other places as well, but the only place I've ever seen them is at swimming pools. If you go to a swimming pool, you, know, you go and you swim, and when you come out, you exit out of, and the only way I know to describe them, they're kind of metal porcupine doors. They, you know, they have a post that's kind of a revolving door, and they have this post that has these metal poles that are sticking out of the post, and, and it revolves, through another set of posts like a comb that that it goes through. But the door only revolves one way. So you can get out of the swimming pool, but you can't get back in to the swimming pool. Now, I suspect the reason they put them at swimming pools is because kids sneak in from time to time. Try to get in free. you know, do a little free swimming on that day, but you can't do that because the porcupine doesn't swim that way. The only way you can get in the pool is to walk around where the front entrance is and enter in where you have to give them your 50 cents. Paul had spent years trying to get through the spiritual porcupine. But he came to discover there was only one entrance. Only one way. No one, not a single person, could work their way into the presence of God on their own. It was only through Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith in Jesus. There's no other way. Paul makes a simple statement that he summarizes in his testimony here found in verse 16. So we too have put our faith in In Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If anyone could have been saved by observing the law, it would have been Paul. But here's how he described himself in another letter that he wrote in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 4. If anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. There was nobody that had a better resume than Paul did. He got all the gold stars in Sunday school class. He had straight A's in Jerusalem high school. Graduated magna cum laude, voted most likely to succeed. He was the star of the debate team. He got all the good scholarship. And he was on the fast track to a long and profitable career. There was no religious law. He could not recite verbatim and give three examples. He was at the top of a group that it wasn't easy to get to the top of. He had it all until... He realized he had nothing. Here's how he described it. Continue in Philippians chapter three, verse seven. But whatever was to my profit I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's what Paul meant when he writes to the Galatians by observing the law. No one will be justified everything that he had tried to do as a Pharisee, all the ways he had tried to prove himself worthy before God, it was nothing compared to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. The righteousness that he knew as a Pharisee was like trash compared to the righteousness he freely received by grace Through faith in Jesus Christ. It's perhaps one of the greatest lies that Satan tells, and he tells some whoppers. Here's just a few of the lies that Satan tells us. Here's one of them Just this one time won't hurt. Oh, really? That's a good one. Here's here's another lie that Satan tells us Everyone else is getting ahead, and you're getting left behind. Now, wait a minute. Who said this was a race anyway? There's another lie that Satan tells us. The Bible. Oh, it's just a book of myth. You don't need to read that. Oh, really? Myth? Hey, you're in this book, Satan. (laughs) Maybe you ought to read it a little bit. Satan tells all kinds of... Lies, But they are nowhere as devastating as the lie that almost fooled Paul. And it's a lie that Satan still tells today. You don't need God. You can get by just fine on your own. Paul would not have said it that way, but as a Pharisee, that's the way he lived. That he could make himself good enough for God. He found out exactly what a lie that was when he met Jesus. All of his good deeds put together were just rubbish compared to the righteousness of Christ. It's like an ant telling an elephant to step aside. Well, an ant supposedly can lift a hundred times its own weight, but Dumbo ain't going anywhere. No matter how many of the lies we might believe, this one takes the cake. Because we all need Jesus. Even those rotten Gentile sinners, even those upstanding Jewish Pharisees, and even us, we all need Jesus. We've been talking about those one things that you can do, those one steps that you can take. In your walk with the Lord, this one is the biggest one of all. This morning, do you know Jesus? Now, do you know about Jesus? That's not what I'm asking. Do you know Jesus? There is no other way, there is no other Lord and Savior. And there is no better day than today to find Him. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation and opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, don't leave this place without knowing the one true Lord and Savior. Because we all need Jesus. If you're here this morning and you already know the Lord, I guarantee you, you know somebody who doesn't. A neighbor or a friend, a relative, someone you're standing beside in the line at Walmart. Somebody in your life does not know Jesus. And we all need. Jesus, even me. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. First of all, we pray if there's anybody here who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that right now, right here in this place, you will help them understand that they need Jesus. Heavenly Father, for those of us that already know the Lord, Help us to gain the spiritual eyesight that we need to look around us because every day we come in contact with people who need you. So help us to point the way. Help us to introduce them to the Jesus they so desperately need. Help us understand we all need Jesus. For it's in His name that we pray. Amen.